Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. What is up, movie friends? Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm James, and this is episode 47. We are doing the Matrix trilogy, which we are ecstatic to do. We love the Matrix franchise so much. We've been waiting to do them for a while. We wanted to save it until like we got a little bit of a falling going. So here we go, Matrix trilogy. Let's go. Um, this franchise changed not only action films forever, but visual effects in general. The Wachowskis and their special effects department really pushed the envelope of what you could do filmmaking-wise to at the turn of the century. So visually stunning movies. There are a few movies that I remember as a kid seeing in theaters, and when we went to see The Matrix as kids, we were nine years old, and I remember very clearly that experience. I think uh, Jamie, our brother, took us to see the film, and I remember being a kid and absolutely being stunned and awed by this, and I had never seen anything like it before. And I clearly remember the opening of the film with the, the, the scrawl of the, of the Matrix code, and I just felt like I had been put on a ride that I'd never been on before. And it was a strong memory from my childhood of a, of a movie-going experience. I remember when I was a kid, I had no idea what it was about. For years, I, I couldn't figure it out. I remember it, we got home, we were trying to explain it to mom, but we weren't making any sense. We were like and eight we years old, and we kind of got it. But still, it's, it's a very complex idea uh, when you're talking about a, a franchise and a story based on um, man versus machine, as well as artificial intelligence, alternate realities, alternate virtual realities. Um, it also questions your your existence, and so it's kind of blending these intense, complicated themes all together in the storyline in Hollywood for mass audiences, and I think that's one of the draws to the film for me. Yeah, and the idea of simulations and uh, humans being uh, li- humans living in an illusion of a world had been done before, but this brought those ideas and themes to a, a gigantic, massive blockbuster and huge audiences, and and so it brought these ideas to a lot of people that never thought about these things, considered them, or read about them. And I'm not going to lie to you right now, I'll be up front, the majority of this episode is going to be spent on the original film because it's a masterpiece. It's a perfect movie. Of course, we'll cover The Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions in this episode, but they simply don't compare to what the original accomplished. So I think we're going to spend like the bulk talking about The Matrix because it's that good. It's that challenging of a, of a film. Um, it's incredibly symbolic. So many hitting meanings and so many layers to to address and analyze, and so I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, it's a very dense movie, and I can't. I'm excited to get into it. This episode is sponsored by MoviePosters.com. Use coupon code Raiders15 to get 15% off your order from MoviePosters.com today. Again, Raiders15 to get 15% off your order. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Get 20% off your order and free shipping using coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout. Again, Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping today from Manscaped.com. If you like our podcast and want to help support us, the best thing you can do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, the full video episodes, as well as following us and hitting the notification bells on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, where you can listen to podcasts you can find us. Leaving those five-star reviews is super helpful. They help us get seen by new viewers. And the written reviews, we love to read them. I, I go through them almost every day to see the new reviews, and it really touches my heart every yeah, time. Yeah, it's really great to you read. You guys are amazing. We also have a Patreon where you can support us monthly. Patrons get perks like personalized messages, a personalized video, sneak peeks at upcoming episodes, and top-tier patrons get a shout-out once a month on the podcast, Immortalized Forever, 
And even just the smallest tier patron, it's just $2 and you get to know what's coming up next and you get a nice little message from us. So That's real, a water bottle from CBS. Not even. $2 a month. Yeah. That's super cheap. And we use all the funding for the show. And so we're, we're really just putting everything we get into the show. As you can see, the, yeah, the set's it, getting better and improving. If, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see each week the set's improving uh, here and there. And we're using a lot of the money from Patreon in order to do so. So we appreciate every dollar we get. So thank you so much. If you want to be immortalized forever, let's go. Yeah. So what is the Matrix? And the Matrix is a computer program used to distract and fool the human race of their enslavement as energy sources for the machine intelligence that took over the planet after a war with human beings. So every person that lives their life, they're living it in the Matrix. In this illusion world, it's a, stimu it's a simulation that gives people the idea that they're living in the real world when in fact they're real they're actually plugged into the matrix as a power source in these little pods where they live out their entire lives asleep in the matrix yeah humans are being raised like crops by the machines uh, morpheus says human beings are no longer born they are grown and when they are born they are plugged into the matrix which their minds live in for their entire lives and it's a sort of alternate virtual reality hiding them from their true prisons of being just energy sources for these the machine intelligence. And hackers in the Matrix like Neo are susceptible to finding the true answers of their enslavement because of their familiarity and expertise in coding, which they find the clues hidden in the Matrix that their existence isn't real. Yeah, there's something about hackers in this world where uh, the reason they are hackers is because there's something about them that's different from other people where... Uh, they, they feel lost and they feel like there's something wrong with the world that they live in, but they can't really articulate it or, or describe it or understand it. It's more of a feeling. And so as hackers, um, they're using those feelings and they're trying to find out more. And that's why hackers are the ones who are unplugged because they're already looking for a way out. They don't know they're looking for a way out, but they're, they are um, like their soul is just not happy in this place and they feel like, in the computer world is a way for them to find meaning. The word matrix actually has two interesting meanings. In the 15th century English, it referred to the womb. And in science fiction, I think it was on Doctor Who when it first came about, it referred to cyberspace. And the matrix VR world might have first appeared in 1984 novel William, by William Gibson, the Neuromancer, um, where they talk about being in a hallucinogen consensus and consciousness called the matrix. It also uh, happened in Total Recall, the film with Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, and his character goes into a simulation in the entire film. It's it's arguable, but the ending makes it seem like it's real. The entire film takes place inside of a simulation. So uh, simulations have been um, shown in film and written before, and uh, obviously there's still a lot of uh, depth and a lot of stories to be told in that area, and I think The Matrix, the Matrix took the idea of the simulation and brought real heavy uh, themes about humanity into the story. Yeah, the plausibility for me of The Matrix is palpable, and I feel like every year we live in this increasing world of digital technology that gets more and more advanced every year. It's like the percentage points that are we living in a simulation goes up every year by, by like a little increment, and it's just because we're so connected with technology, it seems like it's so real. It could happen. If you think about it, nowadays people are living in a simulation most of their days uh, online, on, on, on social media, on YouTube, on, on TV, and they're living in this simulated reality on their phones and computers and television screens. So if you think about it, we kind of already are 
for the most part, spending most of the hours of the day living in a simulation. And you could even argue that before technology. I mean, reading a book brings you into another reality. I mean, reading newspapers is a different reality. So I think even just doing art in general, if you're an artist or a musician, you're still in a different world or a sense of being, I think, a state of mind. I think there's something different, though. You, you have to differentiate between uh, using your own imagination compared to use, uh, using something that's programmed and created to take your attention like social media. Good call. I like that. So I think there's a big difference between that. Imagination and and using your mind is a great is a great way to exercise your mind and a great way to spend time, but to brainlessly go through app after app and watch show after show, that's more of like you're stuck in a simulation that you can't control. Which is why I love our show because it helps make you guys think and we're analyzing stuff like that. And yeah. I mean, the Matrix just like our last episode was actually 2001 a Space Odyssey, and that whole film basically is half of it is obviously talking about evolution, where we come from. But it's also questioning your existence and questioning reality. And this entire movie, The Matrix, is about questioning our existence. That's the, one of the main themes of the film is what is life? Is it real? Or am I in a reality? Am I in a real world? Or has anyone else experienced what I'm experiencing? Or, is, or, I, or am I by myself in this fake reality? Or and are we all AIs within a giant program? And none of us is actually vital to the program, but we're all just living in the program. And I like to think that, like, being twins, that we're, like, accidental duplicate An anom- anomaly. Yeah, like, we're, like, duplicates. Or, like, someone just copy and pasted us as a program. So I don't, it's just a fun thing to think about in terms of real life and technology and artificial intelligence and VR and, and alternate realities all mixed into all mixed together in, into one. And I think it's, it, can be, it can be used as another way to explain the meaning of life. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah. what I'm getting to, basically. And let's get into the main characters, starting with, obviously, Neo. And this is a man of many names, Thomas Anderson, Mr. Anderson, Neo, the one. The one is obviously an anagram for Neo. The Whoa, one, I never noticed that. The one to save the human race. That's, he's being sarcastic, everybody. Neo also means new, newly born human, now aware of the Matrix. Thomas means twin. Hey, what up? As in li- two living two lives or two reflective personalities. Um, Anderson means the son of man to show his humanity. Like all of the other people that end up getting unplugged and brought into the real world, Neo is a very talented hacker, although he does live that life secretly, and Neo is his hacker name, and his real name is Thomas Anderson, and as Thomas Anderson, he lives a very straight-laced, boring life where it seems as though all the meaning in humanity has been sucked out of his life as Thomas Anderson. He works in a, a bland work environment in a cubicle. Everything's gray, and there is no color at all, and he seems to be very lost and uh, without purpose as Thomas Anderson. But when he's Neo, he generally does have a lot more purpose and he feels more true to himself. And he he spends his time when he's at, not at work, he's hacking. And it looks like he's creating programs for other people, like illegal programs and selling them to people. Yeah, again, the concept of two personalities, two lives, twins, duality. He's a different person at night than he is during the day living that very boring daily work life as a software engineer for a large computer company called Metacortex. And hackers all use pseudonyms or or aliases to obviously protect their identities. In the film, it can also be looked at as shedding their fake identities from the machines because they're given these names, Thomas Anderson, by the machines. They, they weren't given that name. Neo was not given that name, but he gets to choose his name Neo as a hacker, and that's why they fulfill... Once they once they become awakened inside out of the matrix, they follow that hacker name. That's their new personality, and that's their new identity. And Neo goes through such a, a major transformation throughout this film, where 
he goes from being this nobody software engineer to being the savior of humanity. Uh, spoilers, and it's a it's it's obviously a career defining role for for Keanu Reeves. Uh, John Wick's amazing, but The Matrix is really Keanu's movie role that defined his career. And Neo as a character, his main conflict is uh, accepting himself and believing in himself, and that's the the struggle he goes through throughout the entire film because even as Morpheus keeps telling him over and over again that he's the one and that Morpheus believes in him, it's it's Neo's struggle to believe in himself that keeps him grounded and keeps him from moving forward as the one. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your comfort, obsesses over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped has been awesome. Like I always say, they sent us pretty much every single product that they sell on their website to us. Kyle, the rep, has been super cool. He's sent us their performance packages, their their lawnmower groomer I, we use, and it's it's got a light on it. It's waterproof. It's insane. It's it's incredible. It's the best clippers I've ever used. I don't know why I've been using these store brand ones for years, pulling hairs out every time I use them. Um, it's it's grooming's a necessary part of life. Everybody, we gotta do it. This is the perfect gift for the men in your life. Your boyfriends, husbands, fiancés, cousins, uncles. Any guy would seriously appreciate. Even a gift card, anything from manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Again, the holiday season's right around the corner. Let's do let's go. You gotta get this done. Raiders of the Lost at checkout. 20% off for free. Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. This stuff is legit. The products are high quality. Any guy would be ecstatic to receive just one thing from manscaped.com. Trust me. Yeah, so we'll talk about that later on when we talk about the first film where becoming the one, the most important part is for Neo to believe that he's the one. And then we have Trinity, who is an incredibly important character to the story and to Neo. The name Trinity refers to the Christian belief in God existing in three parts, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In this franchise, in this movie, a lot of biblical themes, a lot of biblical symbology. And so in this entire storyline, we have the franchise Morpheus is the Father, Neo is the son and Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And Trinity's role is to help Morpheus track down Neo. And Trinity has to entice him to dive further to the answers, further to get out of curiosity curiosity and resentment of his world that he feels trapped in to discover what the Matrix is. And she's the one t- uh, typing to him on his computer, the one hacking into him, the one meeting him at the club, and and the one who tells him to follow that white rabbit. And Trinity is vital to Morpheus' mission because her prophecy is told by the Oracle is that she will eventually be fall in love with the person who ends up becoming the one. And so Morpheus knows that Trinity is the only way to properly find Neo and she'll know before she'll know more than anyone else if he really is the one, no matter how much Morpheus believes it. And she she becomes a vital character to both Neo and Morpheus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And she's famous for all of these characters are famous hackers in the Matrix before they were unplugged. And Trinity is famous, I think, for 
I think for hacking the NSA mainframe, something like that, yeah. CIA mainframe. So she was a, a notorious hacker in the Matrix, and uh, even Neo knew who she was, but he uh, initially thought she was a guy. Yeah, and just like in the Bible, the Holy Spirit, who is Trinity in the story, is used by God to empower individuals on specific tasks. And there are three interactions between Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the Bible, the incarnation, baptism, and resurrection. And again, Trinity, the number three is very prevalent in this film. It's an important number in the Bible, too. In, in the film, for example, the apartment that Trinity is in at the beginning of the film is room 303. This contrasts Neo's apartment, which is 101, which is used in beginner's computer programs or, or courses or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the coding. And um, it's Trinity who acts to bring Neo in to be awakened. Matrix, him coming into the Matrix is being baptized into the new world. And then Trinity eventually, at the end of the film, resurrects Neo to fulfill his destiny, like Jesus resurrecting. And he's he's literally baptized. He's thrown into the water. Legit. Yeah, so he that's a great uh, point right there about baptism. And just like Jesus, Neo must die to live again and fulfill the prophecy. Mm -hmm. And then we have Morpheus, who in this Holy Spirit Trinity metaphor, Morpheus is the father. And it's Morpheus who was prophesied that he will be the person to find the one. And Morpheus is a Zion operative who who was wakened a long time ago. Um, he himself was in the Matrix until he was a freed human. And he explains later on in the first film that when the Matrix was first built, there was a man born inside the Matrix who would have the ability to change the Matrix how he saw fit, to remake it however he wanted. And he was the one who freed the first of them. And as a result of his dying belief in this prophecy— Morpheus devotes his entire life in search of the one who he believes will bring an end to the war with the machines. And within the Matrix, Morpheus is probably the most famous terrorist across the entire world. And uh, he's, I think he's at the top of the FBI's most wanted list. And even in the opening of the film when Neo is asleep in his apartment, there's a, his computer screen's on and there's a story of an article about Morpheus um, evading police. Um, and so... It seems as though the Matrix seems to have taken control of uh, authorities in the Matrix to help uh, in order to find rebellious people like the people who are unplugged. And so Morpheus is known across the world not as a, a savior in, of mankind, but as a, a, a criminal. Yeah, and Morpheus in Greek mythology is the god of dreams, which is ironic because he's the person who wakes people up. There's also an interesting way you can look at Morpheus because... The, all the other people on the ship and everyone he has awoken, has Morpheus awoken everyone thinking that they could have been the one? Is is that something that every one of those people on the ship, on the Nebuchadnezzar and everyone else that we don't see who Morpheus has awoken, have they gone through the, the trials and tribulations of uh, possibly being the one? And maybe that's why Cypher is so rebellious because he probably was initially thought to be the one, but he probably failed really quickly and... I think all the other characters probably went through something similar as Neo with Morpheus really believing them because that's why he woke them up. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment to make because, like you just said, Cypher, who he was in love with, with Trinity, and they all come to know the prophesi prophecy. So, yeah, I could actually—I that I never really thought about that. Maybe that is probably true, and I think it's a little bit of both, like wanting to find the one as well as 
waking people up because obviously he's not going to find the one on his yeah. first go about. So, but also, also you get all of these people were very talented hackers, and only the one could be a talented hacker. So, I think that Morpheus initially thought every time he woke someone up, there's a possibility they could have been the one. But with Neo, he knows Neo is the one because I think the signs, obviously, the anagram of Neo. More Morpheus is obviously an incredibly intelligent guy. I think that he knows it's Neo, and not that he, not just that he knows it's Neo. He knows it has to be Neo because this is like the end of the road. And it seems to be that even though he keeps being told over and over again that he it's not Neo, he still believes it no matter what, all the way to sacrificing his own life at the end of the film. So uh, Morpheus is dead set that Neo is the, his, is the one, and he's finally found him. And then we have Agent Smith and just the agents in general. What you were talking about earlier, how uh, the Matrix seems to like police everything in the world, and they control the information to make it seem like Morpheus is a terrorist. The agents, and Agent Smith is like the leader of the of this program. They're programs that are designed to police basically the Matrix, but more in line with their their policing programs, and they're in charge of of finding uh, programs that are next up for deletion, for termination, that have evaded deletion, exiled themselves. So they're in charge of of basically limiting any potential threats to the system every program once they serve their purpose and um they're gonna they're probably gonna face some kind of malfunction they're supposed to go back to the matrix source where they will be deleted and then like you said those those few programs that evade that and try to escape for self-preservation um, they're explained as glitches in the matrix so you have glitches that are deja vu like with the black cat repeating itself but it also we find out in later films uh glitches can be supernatural beings like werewolves or vampires and ghosts and any kind of supernatural entity which um are stories that are known throughout history but the matrix explains them as they are just programs that are rebelling against their intended deletion and it's a really fascinating way to try and explain these stories about supernatural beings by saying they're actual programs. And we'll get into that and how these beings came to be with Matrix Reloaded when they start explaining the, the broad concept of the Matrix, but I don't mm -hmm. want to talk about too much of that yet. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast is sponsored by MoviePosters.com. Use coupon code RAIDERS15 to get 15% off your order today. Don't go on Amazon and... Get your posters from MoviePosters.com. It's the number one place to get your movie posters online. It's the holiday season. What better gift to get the movie lover in your life than a movie poster? Use our coupon code RAIDERS15 to get 15% off your order today. Again, RAIDERS15 to get 15% off your order from MoviePosters.com. They sent us all of these amazing posters on our set. These are high quality. They look great, and they're really affordable. Check out MoviePosters.com, RAIDERS15. And in terms of Smith... There seems to be something very different about him compared to the other agents. And I think that we'll learn he the reason why he is different is he probably is becoming conscious. Because I, th I think that all the agents are, they're not AIs, they're just programs and they follow their coding and whatever their operating system is, whatever the, pro whatever the programming is. And I think that Agent Smith is uh, a program that has become conscious and wants to... Um, uh, preserve its own life and yeah. that's why i think he's different from the other agents i think you're right and he's obviously a little more powerful than the agents even though all the agents are impossibly strong and no human has ever stood up and fought an agent and defeated an agent or killed an agent but it seems like smith is just like uh, the next level of programming or, or the most advanced program of all the agents and he's clearly the leader of them all mm -hmm. in terms of what the agents can do i think one of the greatest parts about these movies that we first saw 
with the first Matrix is not just the action, but to see these characters defy gravity and physics and these action scenes are amazing, not just with the martial arts, but the stunt work that they do. And to see the opening with Trinity doing these amazing stunts that are impossible and superhuman, I think it's just a fascinating take on action. And I think that's one of the strengths of the movie itself. Yeah, this is actually called Wire Foo that Jet Li made popular uh, when he was still acting in Hong Kong. And this is combining incredible kung fu martial arts with a lot of wire um, technology to make it seem like people are flying or superhuman and can just do impossible feats. And so, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, we never yeah. really saw that to that point in Hollywood, in America, especially to this extent. So it was actually incredible to see. I'd never seen anything like it before in my life because I still wasn't like big on on like film, and I didn't know much about foreign film either. So it was it was new to me, and it blew my mind. And I think the next major visual style of the Matrix films that became definitive with the films themselves is the special effect of bullet time, which is used a few times in this film. It's used in the opening with Trinity when she does that scorpion kick. It's used when Neo dodges the bullets. And it's a really simple technique that had never really been done to the ex this extent. Hints of it have been done. Michael Gondry actually did it, a, a small version of it in a commercial before this, but it's a, it's an amazing effect and which allows the filmmakers to basically freeze the actor in emotion and then we get to see like pretty much a 360 degree pan of the character in that moment. And the way they film this is they will set up hundreds of still cameras around the actor. And then they'll have the actor do the stunt. And then all these cameras will take uh, photos right after each other every 24th of a second. And so this allows the, the filmmakers to put all these still photographs and edit them into one sequence. And when it's ed edited together on a film strip and then played together, it's an impossible movement of a camera to show this entire view of the actor in this moment. And it's an amazing effect, and it defined uh, the action of this movie, and it became a definitive action sequence that a lot of people wanted to see in other movies, and it was emulated many times. Yeah, it's like a 3D image in the camera film. It's, it's just incredible what, it, what, it, what they did, and obviously yeah. this was copied plenty of times afterwards and specifically i remember scary movie 2 i think it yeah, was yeah that, that they copied the the bullet time and shrek 2 did it as well yeah, so it's actually been used a lot and again this this movie in this franchise it changed visual effects and action movies forever and they set the stage and they they pushed the envelope and they did new things no one really ever done before the turn of the century and a lot of action films probably wouldn't have even been made if it wasn't for the matrix and what they did and what they accomplished and what's so impressive about it is that they only did it with $60 million. That's a relatively small budget for a huge science fiction blockbuster. And they actually filmed this movie, in, all of this movie, in Sydney, Australia. Because if they had filmed this in America, the budget would have been three times as much. And it would have cost $180 million to make. And so the reason why the, the cities in this film, they don't really look American is because it's all in Australia. And another great use of style in this film is the color palette. And there are three different color palettes in this film. If you watch this movie, anytime a scene takes place within the Matrix, there's a greenish tint. I think this movie is famous for being green. But actually, only about a third of this movie is green. The rest of the movie that's set in the real world, it's got a bluish tint. And they did this because they wanted the greenish tint for the Matrix scenes to make it seem as though it gave you the feeling that you're looking at a computer simulation because of the green. 
And then with blue, they figured that blue was a natural color within nature. And so, and green wasn't a natural color occurring in nature. And so they believed that it would work better if all the real world scenes were, were had a bluish hint. And then uh, any of the training simulations, especially the dojo sequence, there's a yellowish hint. And they did this because the training sequence in the dojo is neither in the matrix nor in the real world. So it shouldn't be green or blue. And instead they made it yellow to differentiate it. So it's got three major color palettes. And I think it's a brilliant way to uh, tell the story visually and allow us to understand where exactly the characters are. Yeah. And actually a lot of people are, we posted a clip of that and people get confused about then what is the dojo? The dojo is a computer program that the humans created. And this is what they train inside to yeah. train for the matrix. So it's a computer program, but the humans made it. It's called a construct and it has nothing to do with the matrix, but it employs the same idea of a simulation. And also, I read that they they pulled the blue out of the the sky of like the outdoor. So that's actually true. So anytime you're in the Matrix, so actually throughout the entire Matrix trilogy, there is no blue in the sky or green nature seen anywhere on any exteriors until the very end at Matrix Revolutions after Neo has saved mankind, and then the game the uh, the, <laughs> the Matrix kind of resets and rebuilds everything. Then you see that really beautiful sunset in the park with the oracle and the little girl, then you finally see blue in the sky and green on the grass and trees. And that's the first time you ever see that in the entire trilogy. Because, yeah, at the end, that's when they reboot the franchise, reboot the Matrix, basically. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. we'll talk about that later on. Oh, we'll get to it. And uh, you ready for the first film? Let's do it, man. Let's go. The yeah. Matrix, which was released in 1999, directed by the Wachowskis, had a budget of $63 million and a box office of $465 million. When a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidding underworld, he discovers the shocking truth. The life he knows is the elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence. This film stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, and Hugo Weaving. And to me, this is a perfect movie. This has been in my top 10 for years, and it probably always will be. This movie, again, pushes the boundaries with not just special effects and, and visuals, but also with challenging ideas and challenging audiences with intense themes about life and existence i think that this film has the one of the greatest opening 40 minutes of any movie ever made all the way from the opening of the film to about halfway through the matrix i'd say when they're going to the oracle that entire story is some of the most fascinating intriguing uh, filmmaking i've ever seen in my life and i remember the first time i saw it i was just enthralled and every time i watch this movie i am just blown away how rewatchable this movie is no matter how many times I've seen it, I still adore it, and it's so well written. It's incredible what these got, what these two did uh, with this story, and I think it's easily one of the greatest science fiction films ever made. And it brought all the the heavy themes of like uh, 2001 and Blade Runner and films like that, and they condensed them all into this action movie with incredible visuals, which was also extremely entertaining. Yeah, the Wachowskis spent years, I think they spent like five or six years working on the script and the and the outline, and I think they went through like dozens and dozens of scripts, maybe even more, and they also uh, commissioned comic book artists Steve Scores and Jeff Darrow to, to storyboard the film, and they spent three months extensively outlining and mapping out the film, and they had cinematographer Bill Pope, who did a phenomenal job, and he also does Edgar Wright's films. So I love the look of this movie because, again, it, it feels like visually like a like a graphic novel. The Wachowskis had actually sold a screenplay um, to Joel Silver, the producer of this film, which was a Warner Brothers production. It's Assassins with Sylvester Stallone, and they had sent this script to them as well, and, and the producers liked it. 
and they thought it was great, but they weren't sure if uh, the Wachowskis could direct it because they had never directed anything before. And so Joel Se- Joel Silver gave them a chance to direct a small film. Another it's called it's a lesbian independent film. They they wrote and they made a film I think with a budget of like five million, very small budget. It's called Bound. Bound, yeah, and. This was a test for the Wachowskis to see if they could direct a film successfully, and they made that film, and it didn't make a huge amount of money, but it was successful, and it was well-received critically, and so that gave Joel Silver and the other producers at Warner Brothers the confidence in the Wachowskis to make The Matrix, and so because of that first kind small film, they proved themselves as directors and were given The Matrix. Yeah, we have an incredible opening sequence to this film with... Trinity talking to Morpheus, letting him know that she tracked down Neo. However, the call is being traced, and soon the police and some sort of agency show up to this building that she's in. And again, on first viewing, you have no idea what's going on. You have, you're so confused. Even a lot of people on their second viewing, they're still like, I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. And the Wachowskis just really effectively set up this complex world early on to make us make us curious. And then they also display incredible action with the, the fight scene between Trinity and the police officers. And who- before that, it's really great writing because... We don't know much, and we don't know anything about Trinity, obviously, but from the dialogue from the people outside, so we have the cops surrounding the building, and then the agents show up, and and then the cop tells the agents, I sent a whole team in, and then the agent says, your men are already dead. So we know that's a great line because we know that Trinity is some kind of deadly person who's going to kill all the SWAT team officers that just went into attack her. So I think it was a great way to to be able to to show a character trait with Trinity without really explaining much about her. Yeah, and then we have this wild chase scene of these agents trying to catch this woman, Trinity. All all of them seem to have these godly superhuman powers and abilities and incredible, incredibly possible speed and strength, and they jump across buildings and rooftops where normal cops can are too afraid to do it and can barely make it over, and it, it leads it leads to uh, the agent shape-shifting into other people, and we have Trinity racing an agent who's behind an 18-wheeler to a payphone where she disappears, and you just watch this opening scene, and you're like, what the hell just happened? What am I watching right now? Yeah, it's amazing because the action is so intense. You've never seen anything like before up to this point in filmmaking, and then also it's so intriguing and mysterious, and nothing is... There's plenty of exposition in this movie, but they don't do it immediately. I think this scene was a way to establish... The style, the action, and the world itself without explaining anything about it. They're just showing it to us. And I think it's a fantastic way to, to open the film. And also, the agents in this scene, um, after Trinity escapes and the payphone's empty after it's been destroyed, uh, one of the agents says to Smith that um, the informant is real. And what they're saying is that Cypher is a reliable informant because Cypher, we find out, betrays the group. And so the reason why the agent showed up here in this scene while Trinity was making the call was because Cypher set her up to get killed. Yeah, and then we basically cut to Neo in his apartment, asleep in, in his computer screen, and Neo's floating in life. He he questions his world, and he's curious about the term The Matrix, which he keeps coming across, and I think this is where the, the screenshot of, like, there's that article you're talking about about Morpheus, mm-hmm. and there's, like, a, a shaky, uh, like, out-of-focus image of him, of, like, a newspaper that posted it, and so... He's just curious about about the Matrix. He's curious about Morpheus. And-, and it seems as though the Matrix is some kind of word that has been passed around in underground circles in the world of hackers. And it seems like it's not like Neo's never heard of it before. He's heard of it, but he just doesn't know what it is. Yeah, and it's his computer screen that really piques it even more. And it's the things that the computer screen says to him, like the Matrix has you and 
knock knock and wake up follow the white rabbit and he doesn't know this yet but it's actually trinity talking to neo through the computer and and then this white rabbit is a reference to alice in wonderland tumbling down the rabbit hole into a different world and it's his curiosity about the matrix and the rejection of his world that he lives in that leads him to take that leap of faith to follow that white rabbit tattoo on the woman leading to meeting trinity at that club and then uh this club scene i think it's uh another uh, stylistic um visual that is synonymous with the matrix films which is the style of the characters in these movies which is like bdsm-ish and lots of leather and things that you wouldn't see in mainstream movies that they put into this movie that was seen by wide audiences that you'd never really seen before and it's like this subculture of uh, of style and it's it's it's, I think it's one of the definitive aspects of the Matrix movies is the style of the people. Yeah, for me, I know people think it's odd when they see uh, these scenes and they're dressed in these weird ways and they explain that it's the representation of, of the person of what they would you know want to look like and how they mm-hmm. want to dress. And it makes sense because it's the ultimate expression of an individual in terms of like they get to invent whatever clothing they want. They get to invent what they want to look like in terms of what they put on their body, what their hair looks like, what kind of glasses they wear, if they have any tattoos. So it's actually interesting to to see these people express themselves in different ways. Yeah, it's like an avatar. Basically, yeah. And we learn more about Trinity and that she's also a hacker. And we learn a little bit more about Morpheus, but not too much. And this is obviously a mysterious man who who Neo very much wants to meet. And Neo he doesn't he clearly doesn't care about his job and you can tell because he wakes up late for the next day, the alarm going off and He's at his office getting berated by his by his uh, manager and supervisor. And he doesn't doesn't seem to be paying. He's attention. looking out the window. He's watching the guy wash the windows yeah. instead. And you can tell he really doesn't give a crap about his job. His cubicle's empty. It's bare. Um, obviously a lot of people would be like, "Oh, he's a software enge- a software engineer. It's all on his computer." But still, compared to his hacker desk in his apartment, which is full of papers and books and clutter, his his cubicle is just a uh, it's just pristine and it's almost. It's almost sterile in a way and artificial, obviously, because he's in the Matrix right now. The entire office itself is just all gray. There's no color anywhere, and they do that on purpose. Yeah, it's completely colorless. He's wearing, I think the Wachowskis had him have wear a tight suit on purpose to make him feel suffocated, not only in his career, but also in his life in terms of being stuck in the Matrix. And it's it's a really... Also because he looks great in a suit. (laughs) (laughs) And it it turns into an intense scene, but real quick, like he doesn't even turn his computer screen on. He's a software engineer gets to his cubicle, he doesn't even turn on. He's just sitting there look, looking at the darkness of it, probably looking at his own reflection. And then we get a, a special delivery from FedEx, and he opens it, and it's a, it's a cell phone, but it's a very cool cell phone. It doesn't <laughs> flip open. It's got like a, a slide open. And um, obviously it's bulky as hell, and this is what, two, 1999, so not everyone had a cell phone at this point. So Neo doesn't even own a cell phone. It's not something that people generally have at this point in time. Yeah, not going to lie. Dave Chappelle's Chappelle show, a sketch on this scene, yeah. is just the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. So great. And then obviously the agents come to try to get him, and he doesn't know why they're there. And He's obviously terrified. Um, maybe he probably assumes they're there for his hacking and maybe some of the illegal activities he's doing at home. But obviously this person on the other line who he finds out is Morpheus, and this person he's been wanting to meet is, is guiding him to escape and seems to know impossible information like he has cameras everywhere or something like that yeah he's directing him through the building evading the agents with every uh word of his action and somehow more he's not there but somehow morpheus can see everything that's happening in the office and he's helping neo um he seems to be omniscient or uh, omnipresent or some or something he leads neo outside onto the scaffolding and this is a point where once again we see that uh, neo has trouble believing in himself and and this is a moment where if he doesn't 
try to reach the scaffolding, he's going to get captured and arrested. And if he does reach it, he'll be able to meet Morpheus and, and he'll be free from the arms of the police. But um, as is going to happen many times in this movie, he fails to believe in himself and he gives up and he gets arrested. Yeah, and we have this first great interaction between Agent Smith and Neo in the interrogation room. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. We, we really get a great contrast between these two new rivals. Smith is obviously robotic. He's demeaning, controlling, uh, conformist, and whereas Neo is... He's unpredictable and emotional as he as we as he displays when he gives Smith the finger. He tells him he knows his rights. He tells him to go f himself. I think and Smith seems to not even understand sarcasm. Like like Neo gives a sarcastic joke and Mister and Agent Smith's like, oh, he's gonna comply. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite parts about the scene is that it opens on a set of TV screens, um, which all show the same image of Neo. It seems to be from a security camera, and that I think is actually the architect's point of view watching this take place. Because in the second film, when we see the architect's room and he's got hundreds of the little tiny TV screens, I think this is him in his room right now watching it take place. And since uh, Neo won't agree to comply with information and try to help them track down Morpheus, um, the Smith, the agents do what they were going to do as a backup plan. They want to put a trace on Neo. And again, we're living in a computer. We're in a computer simulation. We're in a program. These agents they can manipulate it and they can change the matrix and they do this impossible feat of not letting Neo speak and closing his mouth. And when you're watching that, you still don't understand that it's a program and you think it's some kind of supernatural ability. Science fiction, it's some, like yeah. superpowers or but something. But really, it's just they're changing the code. That's what's happening. The code is being changed. Yeah, they have the ability to kind of like, I guess, hack the code in certain ways. And yes, they 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 trap his mouth shut and then they also create this. It, what initially is like some kind of metal mechanical device and um, it becomes organic and becomes very bug-like in structure and they they take this and they have it climb its way and burrow deep with inside uh, Neo's abdomen and it's a really terrifying scene and right when this little thing enters his body he wakes up as if it was a nightmare but he doesn't realize that he's been he has a trace on him now and then Trinity gets a hold of Neo and she picks him up with APOC and Switch and um, it's a great scene in the car and it's a great image because rain is pouring down on the car and all the windows, wait, well, water is dri dripping down the windows and the glass and it actually look, looks exactly like the matrix code that's scrolling down when they, when we see the matrix on the screen. So it's a, it, they're, they're making a, a visual motif of the code itself with the rain. And then this is when, uh, the first instance where Neo is beginning to understand that things aren't what they seem when they pull the bug out of his body and he thought it was just a, a nightmare. And when he sees that this thing was actually real, then that means that the agents really sewed his, like sewed his mouth shut and, and think how are the, these strange phenomenons are actually real. And this is the first uh, moment he, he's been able to realize this. And then these three bring him to Morpheus. He has the, yeah, he has the option to meet Morpheus, which he hesitates to take, but then he eventually does. And we finally meet Morpheus. We've heard his voice. We've heard about him. And he really does live up to the expectations of this great mystery and seems to have an aura of wisdom floating around him at all times. He's highly confident, intelligent. He's very honored to meet Neo. And Morpheus's goal, we find out, is to persuade Neo to take a red pill over a blue pill through discourse. He cannot force it. He needs Neo to take it willingly. And he tells Neo a little bit more about the Matrix, but he's holding most of it back. He he needs to increase Neo's curiosity even more 
to get Neo to agree because once Neo agrees to take the red pill, and then it's it's down tumbling down the rabbit hole we go. Lawrence Fishburne is so great as Morpheus, and he brings so much wisdom and confidence and power to the character. And his voice is just so deep and booming, and I think he's just an unbelievable actor. And this is a a showcase for the world to see how good he is. And this has some iconic shots in it, especially um, the reflection on the sunglasses of Neo. And in one reflection, there's Morpheus's hand with the red pill, and the other reflection is Morpheus's hand with the blue pill. And in the red pill one, Neo's hand is reaching towards just the red pill. Yeah, and so that alludes to the idea that there are two realities, and the blue pill is the Matrix reality, and the red pill is the real-world reality, which is why you can see Neo's hand in that one. Because if it was a, a proper reflection, you'd be able to see his hand in both of them because the lenses are so close to each other. They'd, they'd show pretty much the same image. Yeah, so it's a, it's a really incredible shot, and I'm sure mm -hmm. it was difficult to make. And it's actually, again, incredible, incredible storyboarding, and they tried to pretty much get as many of the actual shots from the storyboard as they could, and this was in the original storyboard. Yeah. And the red pill, we find out, is a trace, and it's in order to hack Neo out of the Matrix and, and to find his location. Yeah, and so once Neo is hurried into, the, once he takes the red pill, the trace program starts to run, and they hurry him into another room full of even more people with auto tire still. And the red pill is also, and all the events that have happened to him in the last few hours, including the red pill, are starting to make Neo start to see things he's never noticed before. And obviously, the first thing that we have is the broken mirror that he's next to which fixes itself. And this is, again, mirror image again we're talking about. We're talking about two lives, twins, the power of two, and duality. And the mirror is pointed at him, and he's watching his reflection. And it's a mirror motif that is seen throughout this movie, especially in the first act within the Matrix itself. And you see shot after shot of characters' reflections in mirrors, it, whether it be the side mirror of Trinity's motorcycle, whether it be this mirror here, there's mirrors all over the place, uh, reflections in the sunglasses, and the reflections are important because it shows, our reflection shows, shows our perception of the world around us, and in this world, oftentimes the reflection, like with the broken mirror, is warped in a way because the, the world around us is in the matrix is not real, and so it's a, a brilliant way to, to project that context, to project that theme throughout the film. And so the mirror fixes itself, which obviously piques Neo's curiosity even more, despite being strapped up and everything by these new people he's never met before. And when he touches the mirror, this reflective goo starts to spread throughout his fingers and his arms and throughout his entire body. This is obviously something that you can interpret for yourself, whether it's actually happening to him inside the Matrix or if it's Neo's perception of the flaws of the Matrix and he's finally seeing the Matrix for what it is or it's a combination of both seeing reality and the fake world at the same time. I think it could be that they're erasing his code. And so since he'll have no more code, he'll just be a, a, a physical reflection of everything around it. So because he'll have nothing defines him anymore code-wise. So, yeah. so he's like an erased uh, physical form, which would just reflect whatever is surrounding it. I like that. That's pretty cool. I never thought about it like that. Thanks. I just came up with it. Yeah. I, I saw you. You went, oh, <gasps> had a, a, a light bulb moment. A moment. I turned something on for you. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the goo courses through his entire body. The ooze. The ooze. <laughs> the ooze. And then uh, Matrix. And then Neo wakes up. But he wakes up in the real world, which is machine dominated. And he's being grown. He's in a crop field of other human beings. He's in this 
weird oozing pod and he's hairless he is weak he's feeble he's got all these tubes inside of him and he's got this this connection cable that needle that pulls out of the back of his head because the machines think he's he's a dead being now because he's awake or the 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 machines recognize that he's awake so they're going to flush him down the drain basically and kill him and so it's a really incredible image of him seeing the fields of human beings being grown and being harvested for energy which he doesn't understand yet and it's just incredibly disturbing just to witness keanu reeves lost 15 pounds and then shaved all the hair on his body in order to to portray this scene um and it's absolutely horrifying and obviously these are not things that morpheus told neo because it probably would have terrified him if he actually knew what the real world was like and the real world in the outside of the matrix is just just a hell and machines have taken over the earth and uh, as he sees millions upon millions of humans are also in this crop field and uh, he was born and then put into this little pod when he was a baby and that's where he's been for the last 35 years or so and uh, he is flushed down this tube and thrown into this water and since he's never used his muscles before he can't swim and he's going to drown and fortunately this ship is there to help fish him out of the water with a claw like a claw machine you know? the, claw. the claw and so the 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 nebuchadnezzar the the ship morpheus's ship fishes him out of the water and they save him and we have a uh, the first image of of sort of like a christ-like image of jesus with his arms hanging over and his over his body and Sort of a moment of recognition. This is baptism, I mean, a like moment you said. of resurrection, or yes, this is the baptism when we talk about the Holy Trinity. So this is mm-hmm. the 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 second uh, step, react the sent- second interaction of the Holy Spirit with Jesus in terms of Bible references. Yeah, and again, we're talking, and then like you said earlier, his muscles are atrophied, and and since Neo has never actually moved before, the crew is building his muscle strength to give him the ability to to stand and and do anything and. Well, Neo's body is being worked on with the needle treatment to build up his muscles from the atrophy. Um, Neo, I mean, Morpheus comes in to check on him, and, and Neo asks him, why do my eyes hurt? And then Morpheus says, you've never used them before. And it's a really emotional moment. And you can see just the, the sadness that Morpheus has in his eyes for Neo, and he probably has the same reaction for every person who's woken up because he truly understands what's happened to the human race and what it's like to go through this this situation. When he finally is able to be on his own, he wakes up in his room and uh, we see Morpheus. And Morpheus is so much different from the Morpheus in the Matrix. I think every character, you can see such a stark contrast between their Matrix version and their real-world version. And for Morpheus in the Matrix, he's imposing he's got this amazing wardrobe he wears sunglasses so you can never see his eyes and he's just very powerful and confident but in the real world he's wearing clothes that are dirty and shabby and it looks like he wears the same he's been wearing the same clothes for year for years and and he looks just tired and, and weak and and very vulnerable you know there's a vulnerability to him and you can see it in his eyes and you can actually see his eyes they're not behind sunglasses and and so the real world version of these people are so much different from their matrix for matrix versions and it, it it's difficult to accept and neo struggles to accept this at first when he is brought into the the main quarters of the ship and he meets the crew and and then he's finally um told by morpheus the entire history of the matrix and they go through the 
that program simulation where Morpheus details the history of the wars of the war between man and machines and how the machines um, were taking control of the earth. And so uh, mankind scorched the sky to prevent the machines from getting energy from the sun. And then the, the machines destroyed mankind with nuclear weaponry. And after that, uh, humans moved underground in order to survive. Yeah, so basically the humans have the machines have taken over the world and the city of Zion is the last refuge of the human civilization, the human race, and Morpheus and his crew are rebels who hack into the matrix to free minds and unplugged enslaved humans and recruit them and and their understanding of the matrix is what allows them to achieve these incredible feats while they're plugged into the matrix because they understand that it's a program and it can be manipulated and these are all hackers and so they understand the 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 limits of what the matrix holds to people who who have power over the matrix themselves and it's the same thing with a computer and a hacker you give them the computer they can probably do pretty much anything so once they understand how to use it and that's when they can start to manipulate and that's what basically all their superpower feats is them manipulating the matrix it's not like they're typing code it's because like you said they know what the matrix is and, and so they know that they can do things that are seemingly impossible in the real world and they, and they can change they can become superhuman in strength and they can defy gravity because they know that the matrix isn't real but the reason why the one is so different is because the one will be able to do this in such a profound way where they'll be able to do anything they want with the matrix not just jump across a building or punch a hole through a wall but they'll be able to do anything they want and i love how morpheus doesn't hold back anything when he's explaining all when he's explaining all this outside of the matrix to neo and he explains to him that neo is the one and he tells him the prophecy he doesn't hold back he's straight up with him he tells him that he's going to be the one to save the human race and it's it's a it's a big burden to tell somebody who's just been put into this new reality that he's the one who's going to have to save hum the human race yeah and I, I really like the way they depicted the real world in this film because it's very dirty and it this the ship itself is it seems like it's very old it's it, i think it was it says uh built in 19 in 2099 or something so the ship is at least 100 years old and it's all patched together and there are wires and all over the place and it seems as though nothing is clean and it's not the the futuristic world that we're used to seeing in sci-fi films and it seems as though humanity is just just barely surviving and it's not all what we would expect for a, a futuristic movie i think but then we do have a little bit of fun coming up where a little a lot of fun where, where tank starts to train neo and in tanks very excited about the situation <laughs> if it's true <laughs> and so he gets to he starts to train neo with these computer programs and basically it's just like uploading data to another hard drive or you're you're transferring things over so they're they're transferring all these programs into neo's uh matrix personality or whatever or however you want to call it into so, his brain into his brain so yeah. that he he has all these abilities when he goes into the Matrix. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is the dojo fight when uh, when Neo's uh, training and Morpheus goes to see him and he, he says, I know Kung Fu, show me. <laughs> and it's an amazing scene where they're put into the construct, which is a, its own independent program, like we said earlier. That's why it's tinted yellow and not green or blue. Not related to the Matrix yeah, at all. It's independent. It's just on the ship and they've literally made this little program. And it's just an environment for people to fight in. And it's an amazing sequence where we can see that um, Neo has clearly learned uh, so much martial arts. He's become an expert. And 
he can he does have some strength within the matrix but the whole point of this exercise is morpheus is trying to teach him that um when you're in the matrix the rules don't apply the gravity is not real air is not real you think that's air yeah, you're breathing yeah physics isn't real so if you if you believe in yourself and believe in what you can do you can do anything while you're inside the matrix and i love how uh when everyone else finds out like Morpheus is fighting Neo. Oh, they, they like they run all across run, the table. They all run to watch the 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 feed of the program that's going on. Uh -huh. And um, Morpheus, Neo knows what Morpheus is doing. He's he's trying to push Neo to a boundary and try to get past it. And he does. He does get to see a glimpse of impossible speed that he's never seen a human being achieve inside the Matrix or inside a program. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, what's the name? Rat or Mouse says something like, "Look at his neuro neurokinetics are off off the charts" or something like that. <laughs> and so he does that. We see that quick kind of like the arms speed. move so fast. Yeah, they, yeah, they so blend fast. together. And he and he ends up uh, beating Morpheus and, and with the punch to his face. And, and it seems like no one else has ever done that. Yeah, beaten Morpheus. And it's really important because all these tests lead to Neo becoming the one and becoming and beginning to believe so every test that he's faced with every adversity it's him building that belief in himself and this is one of the earliest parts and then we get to see more programs and we, we do that the the walk in the public with the lady in the red dress which mm -hmm. uh, is a program that mouse built and this program is designed to teach no neo about the agents and how the agents agents are their enemies they are impossibly powerful no no person has ever survived fighting an agent and so whenever you see an agent you run away and they also we also learned that an agent can become anyone else they can assume the bodies of any person within the matrix but also morpheus tells him that where everyone else has failed neo will succeed and so he, he uh, foresees that neo will fight an agent and beat an agent and then also morpheus says the line when neo asks him so what you're saying i can dodge bullets and then morpheus says when the moment comes you won't have to and what he's saying is that uh, the graphics and in, in physics involved in a bullet will have nothing will, will mean nothing to the to the one they'll just be able to do whatever they want with the bullets like they won't have to dodge the bullets they'll be able to ma manipulate the the matrix however they want and so a bullet wouldn't even mean and do anything to them and the final exercise that morpheus has for neo is the jump program and this these are all things that every person who's who gets woken awakened has to go through and we learned that through the the crew members that nobody's made their first jump. It's a it's a big program for everyone to try to accomplish. And Morpheus demonstrates that you have to jump from one skyscraper to another. It's like a hundred and fifty foot jump, it's huge, which is impossible to Neo. It's huge. And <laughs> Morpheus explains to him that he has to free his mind. And this is a big moment for the crew too because they're not sure if Neo's the one. And they're like, what if he makes his first jump? What would that be like? He must be the one if he makes his first jump. And, yeah. and Neo probably has the pressure on himself that, oh, if I make this, I, I probably am the one. I can, I can do this. But he, free my mind. He doesn't free, free, he doesn't free his mind. And I think that I, a big question is why does Neo fail at this? And because obviously they say that everyone fails their first time. But the main part of being the one again is believing that you are the one. And Neo doesn't believe it yet. I think the jump is just one of these mandatory lessons Morpheus has for all these humans to break down their mental barrier of of being newly awakened and true truly understanding what the matrix is because he doesn't even understand fully what the matrix is yet and of course neo fails he, he can't make that jump yet because he doesn't fully understand the matrix yet yeah and morpheus i think it's important because morpheus shows him that it's possible to make the jump by doing it himself first and so he shows neo that i can if i can do this and i think you're the one then obviously you're more than capable of doing this eventually 
and he fails and falls to the ground and and then they they wake neo up in morpheus and they unplug them neo when he wakes up he notices that he's bleeding and he's in pain and this is where he finds out from morpheus where he asks if you die in the matrix do you die in the real world and morpheus says the body cannot survive without the mind so it's an expendable world and so they have the plan next is to actually take neo into the matrix for real and they're going to bring him to the oracle but before that happens we have uh, a couple scenes with cypher where cypher like you said earlier he betrays everybody he betrays the humans because cypher hates the world that he's been awakened into he he'd rather live as a slave not knowing that he's a slave in the matrix than live in the hellhole that he considers the real world and we have the scene where neo is just obviously he can't sleep in the middle of the night and he he kind of sneaks up by accident on cypher who's reading the code of the matrix he says he's like oh i'm just reading it blonde redhead brunette but really you know you can tell that cypher is doing something kind of kind of mischievous he shouldn't be doing yeah he, why is he here by himself but neo doesn't know any better he's ignorant at this point and since he can't read the code he doesn't know what the screens are saying yeah but really what cypher's doing is planning the betrayal of of his crewmates and of neo and of morpheus and then we have the scene where he's with agent smith at dinner eating a steak and we learn the plan of cypher of how he's going to betray everybody to give um the agents Morpheus because they want the access codes to Zion, which Cypher doesn't have, but Morpheus has. So he's going to give up Morpheus to be plugged back in and then go back to living as somebody important like an actor. How delicious does that steak look? Dude, that's a good looking steak. It's the most delicious steak I've ever seen. And medium rare, rare. <laughs> and um, Cypher's real last name is actually Reagan. And he's actually based upon Ronald Reagan in a couple of ways. So... He says, I want to be someone important like an actor. Ronald Reagan was an actor. And also he says he doesn't, when he wakes up in the Matrix, he doesn't want to remember anything. Ronald Reagan suffered with uh, suffered through Alzheimer's in, his, in the last years of his life, so he ended up forgetting everything. And so Cypher is a direct relation to Ronald Reagan. Cypher also, the name means um, many things, including zero. So basically a person of no worth like Cypher is. And, you know, Cypher is an expert at reading Matrix code, and him, he himself is coded or disguised being a, a mole, basically, for the machines. And now next, the next step in, in Morpheus's plans is for Neo to finally meet the Oracle. We've heard the Oracle's name be, being mentioned a few times, and now it's time for Neo to see her and, and find out what she has to say about him. And we mentioned in an earlier podcast, I think the last episode, where they have that car ride through through the city, and this is the first time Neo's been back in the Matrix uh, since he was unplugged in. Uh, if you notice the scene, uh, the light on the actors' faces don't change at all, not like it, as though it was in a real city. Um, and the reason for that is because they they shot this with two projectors on either side of the car, and so they pretty, pretty much put up these movie screens beside the car inside of a studio, and they projected... Uh, previously filmed images and video of the city and it's all in two dimensions and they did this effect because when the characters look out the windows it seems as though it's not real but also looks real because they're in the matrix and neo is now aware of the artificiality of the matrix and so it's a brilliant practical effect they used to to bring about that uh that feeling that neo is is um experiencing and then we get to meet the Oracle, but before that, um, Neil kind of is in this, this little lobby with other gifted people, and it seems obvious that there would be other people in the Matrix or other humans who 
who their abilities supersede the average human being, even the average person that's awake and goes back into the matrix. And we have the, the little boy who can bend the spoon and the other, I think there's a little girl floating blocks in the air. So mm-hmm. it, it just makes sense that there would be other human beings that have uh, more unique abilities than the average person that's and, in the matrix. And Morpheus isn't the only person looking for the one, mm-hmm. looking for the one. So they're all candidates to be the one. And um, that little boy, he teaches basically Neo a lesson about bending the spoon because there is no spoon. And then we have the shot where Neo seems to bend the spoon, but it cuts and the spoon's back to normal. So he doesn't even know if he bent it himself. Mm-hmm. And then the Oracle is played by Gloria Foster, who's who's really great in this role. But I think she she passed away after the second one. Yeah. And so there's a different actress who plays her in the third one. But um, she she's very... Very welcoming and warm. She's very grandmotherly, and she's cooking, make, make bacon cookies for She Neo. likes to rip butts. And, and she displays, yeah, she smokes a lot of cigarettes. It's kind of like like Bernie Mac and Bad Santa. Like <laughs> if they, I mean, there's probably a reason why they passed so so early, hmm. um, which is so unfortunate. You shouldn't smoke, guys. It's not good. So the Oracle, um, she's also a program, but she's a program who was created to help build the new versions of the Matrix, and she's helping to infuse free will or the illusion of free will for humans in the matrix for the, so that they can accept it more so because there are other versions of the matrix and um humans rejected those versions you t- there were there were versions where they they just built the perfect utopia and humans rejected it yeah and so this is explained in reloaded which we'll talk about then but but the oracle helped build these new versions and that's why human beings are are more inclined to accept this fake reality and so she obviously knows things that no other program could know so she has this um, power of of being able to see the future or, or premonition, Premon- yeah, um, predetermination, yeah, and so precognition. Neo has this really interesting conversation with her, and he's he's kind of curious what she's talking about because she doesn't really tell him much until the end, and he's like, she's like, I can see why she likes it. He's like, who, who are you talking about? When really, <laughs> not it's too process, smart. <laughs> it's process of elimination. Yeah, yeah. she's like, not too smart though. <laughs> the and, only woman you've been hanging out with, Neo. <laughs> And it, it, what about uh, it could be a switch, switch, <laughs> but um, it's it's kind of a letdown conversation for the audience members. Not like that's a bad scene, but because you really want Neo to be the one, and you find out from the Oracle that Neo isn't the one, and it's not that he doesn't have the talent, which she says he does, but he's she's like, uh, he's like, she says you're either she's not sure what what the problem is, but maybe maybe he's waiting on his next life, which is a little foreshadow, it's a very big short foreshadow. And ultimately, uh, the reason why Neo, she says Neo isn't the one is because he isn't ready to be the one. And it's not that he can't be the one. Yeah. He doesn't believe that he can be the one, and he doesn't have a reason to be the one. He has, like, nothing to fight for. He's still a fish out of water in a lot of ways, and he doesn't. he's still learning the world, and he's still learning who he is. He doesn't understand uh, what he's capable of, and that's why she tells him he isn't the one. And that's why, even though he seems disappointed and Morpheus... He, he wants to tell Morpheus that it's not true. Morpheus doesn't want to hear it because Morpheus, I bet, knew that the Oracle would tell Neo this rather than telling him that he's the one. I think so too because – and then she also tells him that Morpheus is going to sacrifice himself believing that he's the one to protect him. And this is obviously going to come into play later on. And then and Neo must choose either his life or Morpheus's life. We forgot to mention when the crew arrives into the Matrix and they, they're heading for the cars – uh, Cypher secretly opens his cell phone, makes a call, and throws it into a trash can. And this is Cypher alerting the agents to 
to their whereabouts and that they're now in the Matrix. And so the Oracle gives Neo a cookie and tells him he'll feel much better after he eats the cookie and that he, he'll remember he doesn't believe in this this premonition, fortune-telling BS. And then um, he tries to tell Morpheus what the Oracle told him, but Morpheus tells him she told you exactly what you needed to hear. And he doesn't even want to hear what Neo has to say because no matter what, as the Oracle said, nothing will stop Morpheus's dying belief that Neo is the one. Yeah. And this leads to the scene where the crew is getting ready to, to leave the, the Matrix and then um, Neo notices a black cat walk across the room. And then a moment later, he sees an identical black cat walk across the room in the same way. And to him, it's just like deja vu. It's a normal part of life. It happens every once in a while. But when he says the words deja vu, the entire crew becomes extremely on, on edge um, because deja vu, like we mentioned earlier, uh, signals a glitch in the matrix, which means that the matrix has changed something. And it's, it's a dangerous moment. And uh, they realize that all the windows have been uh, all the windows have been closed up with brick and they're going to be ambushed by a crew of SWAT team members and agents. And so these agents and SWAT team come into the building, but um, the crew smartly decide to hide behind the walls of the bathroom. They're trying to slowly creep down the walls uh, to get to a lower level. And unfortunately, uh, one of the... Cypher, Cypher sneezes. Oh, it's not like he had coronavirus. He sneezed on purpose <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Pretend like it's the dust. And then... um they hear that they're in the walls and they start to shoot. And so in order to protect more, in order to protect Neo Morpheus sacrifices himself by just smashing through the wall, beating up the cops and then fighting an agent, agent Smith so that everyone else can get away. This is such a great scene. Uh, and we can see how powerful Morpheus is when he first easily defeats the, the cops. And then when he and Smith start going at it, uh, it's so intense and brutal because Morpheus is getting destroyed and there's nothing he can do to this agent who's just impossibly powerful. And I, it's an incredible fight sequence between these two. And then Morpheus gets captured, and then everyone else to, is manages to get away except for Cypher, who pretends like he can't make it into that little hole that they created. And so Neo, Trinity, Apoc, and Switch, they make it to the phone to get put back into the Matrix. However, Cypher beat them first, and Cypher is on the Nebuchadnezzar, and he kills Dozer and shoots Tank 2, and now he's in control of the ship, and he's in control of the the program. And while Trinity answers the phone, she doesn't get plugged. She doesn't get unplugged, which she should. Instead, it's just Cipher talking to her on the other line. And then one by one, he kills Apoc and Switch, and then he's about to kill Neo. And he's, it's so ironic because he's like, he he can't be the one. If he's the one, then something would happen to me right now. Some A mir miracle would happen to stop me because I'm about to kill him. And then uh. And then uh, Tank is still alive and manages to kill Cypher. Yeah, it's a great scene. And um, Trinity and Neo are um, are pulled out of the Matrix, and um, they see that the crew is being the uh, Dozer has been killed by Cypher. And then while this is happening, the agents have uh, Morpheus under interrogation, and obviously a normal interrogation is not going to work with him. So they've chemically manipulated his mind to try and break his mind. This is a moment where. Smith is revealing his true nature compared to the other agents. Like there's that great scene where he tells the other agents to leave the room. And then he one-on-one -on -one talks to Morpheus and he, and he unplugs his ear. It seems as though the ear is their connection to everyone else. And so when he takes the earpiece out, he's like independent, I think. 
And Smith seems to be really distressed and he hates the world. He hates the Matrix and he wants to get out. So clearly Smith has reached some kind of rebellious nature because of, I think, he's formed consciousness compared to the other agents where he wants to get out of the Matrix and he he detests humans and and mankind. And the only way to get out is through uh, Morpheus's mind. And so he's trying to break Morpheus, not because the Matrix wants him to break Morpheus, but because he himself wants to escape. Yeah, I think that when you talk about earlier that Agent Smith seems to be developing uh, consciousness, I think you're right because in order for the Matrix to work, the Oracle obviously has to implement free will and freedom of free choice or the illusion of free will and free choice to humans, but also... That has to extend to the programs as well. I mean, because we obviously have programs and reloaded and we learn about where they, they defect and they go into exile and hiding because they don't want to be deleted yet. So all these programs have free will as well. Otherwise, they would just line up for termination whenever they want. And I think they introdu- by introducing this illusion of free will, they've helped create Smith into having free will as well. Yeah, so every program that's like a ghost or a werewolf or a vampire or supernatural They've all developed consciousness, and that's why they don't want to be deleted out of self-preservation. So I think that's what's happened to Smith, Smith for sure. And at the same time, Morpheus, and at the same time, Neo's hell-bent on getting back into the Matrix to save Morpheus. And he says that he can't explain it to them because it's something the Oracle said, but he he, he knows that he can save Morpheus because the, the Oracle told them it's one of them is going to survive. So no matter what, if he goes in there, he's and if he sacrifices himself, Morpheus will survive. And Neo doesn't think he's the one. He's doing this to save Morpheus because he thinks Morpheus will find the one in the future if and, he survives. Yeah, Morpheus is more important. And obviously Trinity's going to go in there too. And so they get in there and we have the great setup where they're in the program and they're getting... And then Tank's like, what do you guys need? And, and Neo's like, guns. guns. Lots, Lots of guns. guns. <laughs> which which they do in John Wick, I think, yeah. 3. Yeah, the third is, one. Which is awesome. Yeah. It's so fun. And then they, we have the iconic image of all the shells have got like way too many guns coming past them. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of guns. And one of the best action scenes ever in film where Neo and Trinity have the firefight with all the soldiers and security of that building. Yeah, it's an amazing shootout, and they absolutely destroy this place. And it's so so practical. It's it's great to see this film because there's, there's no CGI involved. It's all, all Everything that's getting destroyed is getting destroyed pra- practically. And they do this by um, setting up most of the set, the surfaces of the set um, is a mixture of like, either plaster or styrofoam and then they have they just put like little explosives within the styrofoam and that ex- explodes it and so it looks like it's real but it's actually very light materials that um won't hurt the actors and stuntmen um and it's it's a great sequence and it's great to see uh, trinity and neo working together in the scene yeah and then they're, they make it to the roof after blowing up the the first floor um, and then another epic fight, but then this is where Neo comes face to face with his first agent. He hasn't fought an agent yet, um, as Neo reborn and Neo Origins. <laughs> and so the agent he, he unloads a clip on an agent because as Morpheus says, he's watched men and women shoot agents with and hit nothing but air. empty clips, yeah. yeah. And so Neo obviously hits nothing because the agent dodges the bullets, and then the agent fires at at Neo and Neo does that he dodges the bullets himself and he manages to only get scratched twice with bullets. This is the most famous bullet time sequence right here. They show the the sound waves of the bullets spiraling behind them and it's probably the most iconic shot of all of the Matrix movies. Yeah, and then um Trinity manages to take that guy out after he dodge this. Dodge this and um 
she asked that question. She's like, I've ne- how'd you move that fast? I've never seen anybody move that fast because this is, again, part of Trinity starting to believe, what this guy's a little different. There's something going on with him. Maybe, maybe he is the one. But mm-hmm. Neo still, even though he just performed this incredible feat, he still doesn't believe he's the one yet. But maybe something inside of his head is starting to click, and then they, they get that helicopter, and Trinity's Ooh. like, Tink, I need to know how to fly, fly this, this helicopter. <laughs> He's, he's like, Neo's like, can you fly a helicopter? Not yet. yet. Yeah, I can. <laughs> and then the, this... one of my favorite shots is uh, um, when Morpheus is in that room and then the helicopter uh, lowers down in the window and then you just see Neo with the giant machine gun and he's like, let's fucking go. Let's go. <laughs> it's so amazing. Cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And slow motion fighting and then the bullets spraying everywhere and then the agents go inside. They all get hit. They all they get killed. killed. Yeah, and so they all they have to wait for them all to shapeshift into other other people to and get. And what's back cool in. is after an agent gets killed, they transform back into the body of whoever they they changed into. Mm-hmm. And so Morpheus breaks his handcuffs and manages to start running, but Agent Smith busts through the door and fires his giant handgun at him. <laughs> <laughs> That's huge. This thing's huge. It's I think like it's the I Hans Landa of, of handguns. I think it's a Desert Eagle. And then he manages to clip um, Morpheus in the in the leg in the calf, but and this makes Neil realize that he's not going to make it. So Neil straps into that that rope and jumps from the helicopter and catches Morpheus in the air, which is insane. What a shot! This is one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen, and still is. Yeah, and then it's a, a great scene, and and they're flying across the city, and then the next great feat is that he drops Morpheus onto that rooftop, and then. Um, the helicopter is gonna gonna crash because it's been damaged, and so um, Neo has to save Trinity somehow, and he lands on the roof as well. And then as the as the helicopter is crashing into the building next door, um, Trinity grabs a hold of the rope and shoots it free, and then she jumps from the helicopter, and he and Neo pulls her back up. And it's an amazing shot where they, another case of slow motion where the helicopter crashes into the the skyscraper, and all the glass of the skyscraper uh, is warped by the impact and it's like an impact tremor on the glass but since it's artificial reality yeah. it, it acts differently than it would in the real world yeah so that wouldn't really happen but it's, it's an amazing sequence and it's such a cool special effect it looks fantastic and then neil pulls trinity up and one of the best lines in the movie is morpheus talks to trinity and he says are you been, are you beginning to believe trinity because now he's Morpheus is like, I told you guys. What I, was I saying, guys? I told you. No one believed me. I told you no he was the one. Me. I told you. I heard you guys talking shit about me behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> like, Neo sucks. He ain't the What's one. Morpheus? He's fucking crazy. I mean, he's real hot, but like, I don't love him yet. <laughs> I think this is a moment where Trinity uh, realizes um, Neo's abilities and that she really uh, does truly love him in this moment. Yeah, and that he was willing to sacrifice himself for Morpheus and also for her to yeah. save her life. Mm-hmm. And they make it to the payphone in the train station to obviously they get Morpheus out of there first. And then Trinity, um, Neo holds the phone up to her. And right before it goes to her ear, we start to see that homeless man in the subway station start to transform. And then Agent Smith appears and then. Just as he's shooting at Trinity, she gets pulled out of the Matrix and the, the phone itself gets shattered by the bullet. And then we got Neo and Smith in the train station. What a fucking scene. And Neo, he turns to run, but then he looks back at Smith. And this is where Neo's starting to believe, as yep. Morpheus says. They're yep. all like wondering, what's he doing? Why doesn't he run? It's because he's beginning to believe. And he goes like, <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. That's after he gets knocked down when he's covered in dust. <laughs> So instead of running from the virtually unstoppable agent, Neo stands his ground 
and you know this is obviously piques everybody's fascination especially morpheus and then they have this great fight and it's really cool some a lot of great again the the wire foo the wire kung fu mm-hmm. another uh, bullet se- bullet time sequence is when they jump in the air at each other trying to fire at each other and then we see the, the camera pan around them great shot and then i love when they both land with their each other's uh handgun at their skull and they're you're, you're empty. empty so are you <laughs> it's a great fight because even though Neil clearly is um, incredibly talented and, and strong, he's still not as strong or as fast as Agent Smith. And he does put up a great fight, and he manages to defeat Agent Smith, the first person to ever fight an agent and, and kill him because he uses the train to kill him after um, uh, Mr. Agent Smith keeps calling him Mr. Anderson. Yeah, Mr. Anderson. name is Neo. <laughs> and so he, he slams up into the ceiling. He kills Agent Smith. I think some people, when they watch this scene, this fight, they, they might think it's a little futile. Like, what's the point in fighting Agent Smith if he can just be transformed into somebody else and come after Neo again? I think for—well, obviously, it's it's because Neo—this is another—a test for him to start to believe in himself as being the one because he needs to understand that he can beat an agent, and beating Agent Smith helps him believe it. And this—maybe if this doesn't happen— when he dies later on, he doesn't resurrect as the one. Yeah, I think it's it's important because it shows that he is different from everyone else that's been unplugged because he survives and kills an agent on his own. And also, uh, it's it's a great fight. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> but again, he needed to defeat Agent Smith yeah. to fulfill the prophecy because otherwise he wouldn't have believed that he's the one. Yeah. And then we have a scene where Neo's running through the city trying to escape agents, and as he's moving, he sees agent after agent is just, like, taking the shape of every body he passes by, and it's it, it's, it becomes imminent that there's no way he'll he'll be able to escape the agents eventually, and the only way is to reach that phone to get unplugged. And um, as he's climbing up the scaffolding of this building, Agent Smith, he, he recognizes the building, and this building... Is actually the same building as the opening of the scene, of the film with Trinity when she's on the phone inside that room. This is the same room that Neo's heading for because it's one of the phones that the um, the rebels use to go in and out of the Matrix. They have like different points on the Matrix that they enter through, and this is one of them. And so Agent Smith recognizes this as the phone that Trinity used in the opening, and that's why when Neo enters this room. Guess who's there waiting for him is Agent Smith, where he fires into his chest like eight bullets. But at the same time, the Nebuchadnezzar is being ta- attacked by Sentinels, and Sentinels are the in the real world are robotic uh, soldiers of the machine world, and they're starting to break into the ship. And they need Neo to get into the phone to be wakened up because they need to use the EMP. And if they use the EMP while Neo's inside the Matrix, Neo will die. Yeah, so it's it's a great high stakes situation because. Neo gets shot, and then he dies in the hallway, and Morpheus is just in disbelief, and and Trinity can't believe it either, and and it seems like all hope has been lost because Neo, he was supposed to be the one, and he's just lying on the floor dead now. It's, it's a horrible moment, and as the ship's being destroyed, Trinity doesn't want to believe it or accept it, and then she, and so she um, has that great moment with him where she tells him that her prophecy from the oracle was that she would be the she would fall in love with the person who was the one and she loves him so he has to be the one and then she kisses him and again this is the third um metaphor of the holy spirit of the trinity where resurrection jesus was resurrected from the tomb and now neo is resurrected as the one in the matrix and then as the agents are leaving the hallway inside the matrix 
they turn around and Neo just stands up and there's something very different about him. He seems to have a new new sense of identity. He's seasoned code now. He's seasoned Matrix code. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that first agent attacks him and tries to fight him. And then Neo is handling him like no problem and even fighting him with one hand. Not even looking. Yeah, not even looking. He And then he just kicks the agent who fall, flies across the hallway. And this infuriates Smith. And then all the agents pull out their guns and they fire on Neo. And just as Morpheus told him earlier in the film... Uh, he wouldn't have to dodge bullets. Neo puts up his hand and just says no, and the bullets just freeze in midair before him. And they stop, and then Neo runs at Agent Smith and does like a sideways swan dive right into his <laughs> chest. <laughs> and then he explodes Agent Smith, and then the other agents are like, I'm out of here, I'm good. And it's a really interesting scene, which obviously sets up the sequel. But... um. At the same time, the Sentinels are still getting inside the the ship, and they need they need Neo to to grab the phone. So Neo quickly goes to the phone after Trinity screams for him to do it. And at the same time as him answering the phone, they Morpheus uh, switches the EMP and they kill all the Sentinels. And then we you think that maybe Neo died, but he he survived and he wakes up. We get that amazing ending scene where uh, code stringing uh, code is scrolling down the screen again, and we hear Neo's voice, and he seems to be talking to someone on the phone. Uh, similar to Morpheus in the opening, and and then we see Neo in a phone booth, and he he steps outside, and and there's that great guitar riff from Rage Against the Machine, and then then he flies up into the air like Superman, and then we get that awesome song "Wake Up" from Rage Against the Machine, and what a terrific ending! It's an excellent, excellent movie, one of the best of all time, hands down, one of the greatest sci-fi films ever made, and it like you said, it's in your top ten. It's in my top ten as well. Yeah, just some fun facts though before we move on. To oh, I got lots of fun facts. Keanu Reeves only had eighty lines in the first forty-five minutes of the movie, and of those eighty lines, forty-four are questions. That's over half of his dialogue. And this amounts to about one question per minute. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> so basically, he's he's obviously the surrogate for the audience, and they needed to explain this incredibly complex story. And he's just that. That's his main dialogue purpose. Yeah. Will Smith turned down the role of Neo and instead made Wild Wild West, believing that the film wouldn't work and he didn't honestly understand it completely. Some other actors who were who considered to play Neo were Nicolas Cage, Tom Cruise, and Leonardo DiCaprio, and Gary Oldman and Samuel Jackson were both considered for the role of Morpheus. And Sean Connery, it's people think that he was offered the role of Morpheus, but Sean Connery was offered the role of the architect in the second two films and turned it down because he didn't understand it. Imagine his accent reading all that dialogue. <laughs> in the woman in the red dress sequence, that program, if you notice the background actors, there are several sets of twins, which they did on purpose to show that Mouse, when he made the program, didn't have the same computing power and resources as the Matrix, so he had to duplicate many of the people on set in order to make the program running. And also in the opening scene with the police officers, right? There. Yeah, so in the opening scene... An identical police officer uh, is both outside the building and part of the SWAT team that uh, attacks Trinity. Chad Stahelski, the director of the John Wick franchise, is actually Keanu Reeves' stunt double in all of the Matrix films. So all of the intense stunts that are happening, it's Chad Stahelski performing them. And this working relationship is why um, Keanu Reeves was cast as John Wick. A deleted subplot in The Matrix reveals that Morpheus had previously believed that five other people were the one, all of whom died after attempting to fight the agents. 
Wow, so Morpheus made all these dudes he and messed women up. kill people. Yeah. He got, he got them killed. Got them yeah, killed. go fight that agent. We'll find out if you're the one. That's like uh, Mr. Glass in <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in Shyamalan's movie, um, Unbreakable. Next up, we have The Matrix Reloaded. Released May 15th, 2003, directed by the Wachowski siblings. With a budget of $150 million, this movie grossed $741 million. Freedom fighters Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus continued to lead the revolt against the machine army, unleashing their arsenal of extraordinary skills and weaponry against the systematic forces of repression and exploitation. This film stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, Monica Bellucci, Harry Lennox, and Jada Pinkett Smith. This is an all-around very good movie. It's visually inventive, but I think every time I watch it, it's still a bit of a missed opportunity here in, in terms of what they could have done with Neo and, and with the story. And instead of Neo fulfilling his destiny as this prophesied one who has the ability to change the Matrix how he sees fit to control it at his will, the Wachowskis just pretty much turned him into Superman minus the laser vision. Yeah, I would say that I agree with you and they they relied heavily on action set pieces in this film uh, rather than story or character. For example, you have the the highway sequence, which is a great action scene, but it's like 25 minutes long. You have the Smith versus Neo scene, and you have the, the fight against like the vampires. And those are the sequences that... Uh, pretty much make up a major bulk of the film and so i think they spent too much a little too much time on the action rather than the story and like you said i've always felt as though they never really tapped into the potential of the one because uh, uh, nothing really changes from this film on in terms of neo's powers and saying that the one can manipulate the matrix however they say they see fit neo eventually should be able to do literally anything he wants like a god like he could like move a building or a mountain if he wanted to or or change um the chemical makeup of things or or physically alter anything he wants and he never really does anything beyond flying and fighting yeah and i mean just go back to the end of the matrix the first one and after he's resurrected as the one one of the first things he does in that hallway is he's flexing like we just talked about and the hallway warps and kind of has this rippling effect because he's affecting the basically the code of the matrix so why didn't they tackle that at any means besides stopping bullets and shoving his hand inside trinity basically to save her from a bullet <laughs> sick people out there but they, they never explored that and they they should have expanded on that i wish they did because like you said could move buildings he could literally do anything he's, he's the one he's basically a super hacker inside of this computer i mean he sees matrix code he is matrix code he's like a part of it more than anyone else so it would have been so cool to see what they could have done. Maybe they were running into maybe financial worries of what they could do. Or it would have been impossible to shoot. Maybe or maybe not enough time. Or and also maybe it wouldn't have worked with the story they had in mind for the films. Because ultimately we learned that uh, Neo isn't some miracle. Uh, he's actually part of the Matrix's plan. Uh, and they, they've they uh, built the Matrix expecting this to happen because we learned that Neo is the sixth sixth version of the one. And the one is an anomaly. And the Matrix is this giant piece of code, obviously. And the architect, we learn, um, no matter what he does, he ends up discovering that this anomaly just shows up eventually. And it needs to be uh, handled. And it's not that he created an anomaly. 
um, the, the 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 one isn't created by the matrix; it just happens out, out of out of the blue because of the the coding. And we learn that the matrix uses the anomaly the anomaly the one to reset itself and reboot itself. Uh, and this is the sixth version of that. Yeah, Neo the the I guess you could say the program of Neo itself or the one is a result of the Oracle instilling free will into the programs, into the into the, the minds of the humans inside of it. And it's meant to stop the Matrix's inevitable crash, uh, the system crash and the, and the system failure that, would, that naturally occurs at the end of each cycle of it. And like you said, they just reboot it every time. And the one is a part of this reboot process. And Morpheus first tells the, the story in the, in the first movie about how a man was born within the Matrix and he freed the first of us. What actually happened was that person was actually a previous version of the one who helped reboot the system. And then uh, like a dozen or so people were unplugged to restart humanity with him. And so there now, these humans, Morpheus, they're the part of this new generation after human beings have been evolving, uh, have been growing their civilization um, at Zion with all these reiterations of the Matrix at the same time. At the end of the film, Neo, like all the other predecessors of, of, of the Ones, he's met, he's given a decision to either cause the Matrix to crash and kill everybody and basically end the world or all the humans, which would mean the extinction of the human race, or save some of the people and just wait for the next reboot of the Matrix. Yeah, and... The whole, the, the biggest theme in this movie, because the first theme of the movie is awakening and waking up from the Matrix itself. And then in this film, the main theme is free will and choice. And Neo struggles with the idea of freedom and control because even though the people in Zion have become free and they're unplugged, um, they are still reliant on machines to a certain extent for their survival. So they, they depend on machines. They're not necessarily controlled by machines anymore, but... They aren't free from machines, and so freedom versus control is another main theme in this movie. And Neo learns that even though he's free and he is the one, he's still under the control of the Matrix. And uh, it's this choice at the end of the film where he has to decide between uh, breaking free from that control or embracing it. Yeah, and I think the Wachowskis might have overestimated the retention for audiences for the sequel because they threw in several new and complex characters at us out of nowhere and uh it gets more in, in depth and dense in that obviously we're, we're mainly talking about the scene with neo and the architect who's it's this heavy discourse and i i'm sure most people after watching this that scene were like i need to get a dictionary my god what the <laughs> hell do those guys say because basically what they're talking about is we, we said this briefly at the beginning where the architect he made the first Matrix, and he explains to Neil, and it was a paradise. It was a perfect world where nobody felt any pain or, or hunger or, or sadness, and humans obviously rejected it. Every iteration and reboot of the Matrix has new programs that have exiled, and that's basically the role of the Merovingian. He, he keeps these programs um, safe from deletion, and they kind of hide out with him. That's that's his, his purpose there. He's like a black market dealer. Yeah, kind of, and he keeps these programs hiding. He's also... Um, in control of the keymaker, who is the person who can unlock, unlock 
the door to the source of the matrix where the architect is mm -hmm. and the main goal of neo in the in the gang the scooby-doo gang is to <laughs> to find the key maker to access the source of the matrix to try to destroy it yeah and and the reason why they the reason why they need to do this is because zion is under imminent attack by the matrix itself the machine city has sent an entire army of sentinels uh burrowing into the earth digging a tunnel towards zion and they have as many sentinels as there are people within Zion, and so it would mean the extinction, extinction of mankind. And so uh, their plan is in order to save Zion is to get control of the source of the of the machine city. And there's some other interesting things going on. We get a glimpse at Zion, and it's, it's pretty cool to see this epic city. And, and Morpheus, we learn, is, is like a worshipped by a lot of people in Zion because he's, he seems to be this prophet and— his, part of his prophecy has come true in terms of finding the one, and he's, he's a spiritual leader. He's a he's a hero to a lot of these people, and they have him speak at that that giant rave dance party, and um, he's like, <laughs> "Let them hear us, yeah. <laughs> Let them remember. Let us make them remember." <laughs> and so, uh, so we have that storyline going on, and then also we have the Oracle, who again instructs Neo to find the keymaker to get to the source of the matrix and at the same time we have smith and smith is is back somehow and like he, we get the opening scene where neo receives that envelope with just like the plug that smith used to wear in his ear and then we find out that smith survived somehow and he seems to have become a duplicate program of himself because of what neo did and he survived and he's a new version of himself and he explains to Neo that he's not totally sure how it happened. Some part of him copied onto him, or or some sort of copy paste effect. And now, Control paste. Yeah, and now Smith has this incredible ability and terrifying ability where he can turn any program inside the Matrix into himself. He's literally just like he said, humans are a virus in the first film. He's spreading across the Matrix like a virus by uh, making copies of himself um, throughout the entire Matrix and. It seems as I think that Neo uh, imprinted uh, humanity onto Agent Smith, uh, giving him maybe like a, a soul of some kind. And, and even more free will. Yeah, even more free will. And this is what has caused Smith to not just survive, but to, to gain a new extraordinary power and in, in the ability to spread himself. And uh, one of my favorite parts of the film is Monica Bellucci as Persephone, who's such a beautiful woman, and she's actually a very talented actress, and she's an icon, and... And it's great to see her, and she has she's in both the the sequels, and and she plays a character married to the Merovingian, and she's basically the reason why they're able to get the keymaker. And she both both films she helps Neo and the Scooby Doo gang get information that they need, or or help Neo get freed in this in the third one. So she's a really fun character, and I, I'm a big fan of her work, and she's awesome in this movie. Well, she gives she gives Neo a choice, and Neo faces three choices in this film. Uh, again, going back to that idea of free will. And the first choice, and, and the choices all relate to um, choosing either humanity or choosing Trinity. And so the first choice is when they get to Zion and they leave the elevator and there's that whole crowd of people who are, are devoted to Neo and they need, they're seeking his, his guidance and his leadership. And Neo just wants to go hang out with Trinity you know, like watch Netflix. It's been a while. <laughs> the Nebuchadnezzar is, it has thin walls. Let's just say that. <laughs> but then he decides uh, it's better. He'll he'll spend time with these people, so he chooses humanity over Trinity in this in this situation. 
And then in that situation with Persephone, she gives him the choice to uh, either be loyal to Trinity or to kiss her to, to help save humanity. And then again, Neo chooses humanity in humanity's future over Trinity. And then the final choice of this is with the architect, who, like we said earlier, gives the choice of trying to save Trinity, which will cause the collapse of uh, Matrix and the extinction of the human race, or um, choosing t the future of the human race as a certainty by rebooting the Matrix and starting over. And then with this situation, he is brought, he's given the same two options, but the third time he chooses Trinity and instead goes into the unknown to save his uh, the love of his life, Trinity. Because the film opens up with him having the, the dream and he's played with these visions and dreams of Trinity dying and he wants to prevent that and he saves her life and again sacrificing the other option that the architect gives him. There is a lot of action, but it's really great. The the, the Smith-Neil fight is fantastic. Oh, dude, when I was in theaters, yeah. we, I think our dad took us to see this and I yeah. was just blown away when he's fighting like the 100 Smiths. It's yeah. the coolest fight. The music's so cool. Him with the pipe and just messing them up. And yeah. It was inevitable. It was inevitable. It's still, I mean, the action's over the top, but in a fun way, and it's really great special effects for the time. It hasn't totally aged well, but at the in the moment when we saw it at, in 2003, it was uh, it was in incredible. And then the highway sequence is absolutely epic, and they built this freeway um, from a previously existing freeway that wasn't being used, and they built all of these walls and off-ramps, and, and the walls are up there because... It, it, it allowed them to hide the background of what was really behind the landscapes. And it's just an insane sequence. There's so much great stunt work and action. And most of it's uh, practical and not CGI. And it's a, it's a really uh, engrossing scene. And like when Morpheus is fighting the agent on top of that, that truck, it's just so fun. And then, you know, it's cool to see... see uh Neo doing his Superman thing and, and everything, and he's he's flying. And, but still, like, he should have been able to not just have to fly from one part of the world to the other, but just be there. Yeah. I mean, why can the agents manipulate themselves and, and turn into other people? Why can't why can't Neo do that? And also, he could have just, like, if he can stop bullets and he's becoming more powerful, he could have probably, like, stopped everything with his with just yeah. with uh, manipulating the code, like just stopping the crash from happening. Yeah, they just turn him into Superman. Yeah. Which is cool, but you know, you you wish you could see what they could have done with it instead. Yeah, but all in all, this is a. I think this is a really good sequel. It's if if you don't think too harshly of it, it's a really good time. It's got fantastic action. Um, obviously, the score is great again, and and I just I love the world so much, so it's always fun to watch this movie. Yeah, you're gonna be entertained. You're gonna have a good time. Um, it doesn't have the immense symbolism the original has. Obviously, there's some, and I'm a fan of it. Um, I think it's better than the third one, personally, and it's it's a solid sequel. I mean, they're it made a, the first one made five hundred million dollars almost. So, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to make a sequel. It's going to be more action, like we always say. Sequels have to have more action. They have to be bigger. They have to be bolder. GM donated three hundred cars for use in the production of this movie, and all three hundred were wrecked by the end of production. <laughs> <laughs> they're like you didn't even have one. <laughs> And the, the fight sequence of Neo versus the 100 Smiths, it took 27 days to shoot. Just that sequence. And this film ends on a cliffhanger where Smith manages to... He can copy himself onto other programs, but he can also copy himself onto other blue pill, 
blue pill people and red pill people. And so we're talking about red pill people are those who've been awakened. And he manages to copy himself onto a member of a different crew, Bane, who then wakes up from the Matrix as Smith. So he's now got a different, his soul has been removed and now he's Agent Smith in the real world and the movie ends where he and neo are both unconscious on uh, medical beds yeah and the reason why neo is unconscious is because um after he saved trinity and uh, they unplugged from the matrix they were attacked by sentinels in the real world and and neo was able to stop them as though he was like in the matrix he can do it in the real world but not in the matrix (laughs) (laughs) and um after this he uh, he fell into a deep coma and so the film ends with neo and Agent Smith inside Bane's body, both uh, unconscious on tables in the medical bay. Quite quite the cliffhanger. Quite the cliffhanger. The last film in the franchise, for now, is The Matrix Revolutions, released on November 5th, 2003, directed by the Wachowskis, had a budget of $150 million and a box office of $427 million. Freedom fighters Neo, Trinity, and Morpheus continued to lead the revolt against the Machine Army, unleashing unleashing their arsenal of extraordinary skills and weaponry against the systematic forces of repression and exploitation. This film stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, Harry Lennox, and Jada Pinkett Smith. Matrix Revolutions is visually stunning. It's an amazing production design, and uh, obviously, it's, again, this one's not like the original film, but it's still a a breathtaking movie at times and has some incredible action, especially the finale of this film with Neo versus Smith. Yeah, the first time I saw this, I was blown away, obviously. You know, I was a kid and I loved it and I thought it was epic because it is. The action's awesome. It's unique. It's sort of a precursor to All You Need Is Kill, which the original novel meant, which the original novel um, was made in 2004. And that's the, the material, source material for Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. And we've talked about that in terms of like the soldiers fighting in these these super robotic uh, exosuits, yeah, and they're fighting a juggernaut of an enemy. But Revolutions almost entirely loses all that magic, I think, that they had in the original Matrix, and that the Reloaded tried to keep going a little bit. I understand that with Reloaded, the storyline was heading to an all-out war, and the Wachowskis it seemed to like wanted to kind of make their apocalypse now, and they have this crazy battle sequence with uh, the humans in the exoskeleton suits and and the sentinels coming into Zion to destroy it. Yeah, ultimately, this movie is the simplest of the three where there's actually not much plot happening. It's pretty much two storylines. There's Zion defending itself from the attack of the sentinels, and then it's Neo and Trinity uh, going to the Machine City. And uh, first of all, Neo's trapped in that subway. Uh, he can't get out of it. Some, when, while he was in his coma, it's... Um, he, he found himself stuck there and, um, it's up to Morpheus and Trinity to figure out a way to get him out of there. And they go to see the Merovingian to try and persuade him to let, uh, Neo out at club hell. And the station is actually called mobile Ave. It's an anagram for limbo. Oh, cool. Um, That's awesome. So in, in there, he thinks he's in the normal matrix as usual, but he finds out real quick by the conductor of the train that there are different rules that apply here and the conductor is more powerful than Neo in this environment and he can't escape. And so they get Neo out and Neo visits the Oracle and she reveals to him that Smith, he wants to destroy both the Matrix and the real world. He's spreading everywhere and again, he's a virus and all viruses want to do is is destroy and, and kill. And she states that 
everything that has a beginning has an end, which is an important line for later on, and that the war will conclude. And then after Neil leaves, Smith um, copies himself or simulates himself onto uh, the Oracle and her guard, Seraph. Yeah, and by doing this, he takes her power of precognition, so now he can see into the future um, just as the Oracle did. And so now he has not he's grown exponentially in power with what he can do. And while this is happening, uh, the the captains of the ships decide two of them will travel to Zion to help defend the city, and then Neo and Trinity will take the third one to travel to Machine City. And uh, although a bunch of them reject this and think it it's a uh, it's foolhardy to even think that Neo could save the world. Um, the other captain believes so, Niobe, and allows Neo to take her ship to Machine City. Because she was told something by the Oracle, too, which she starts to believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Neo doesn't realize, or Trinity, that Bane snuck onto the ship as they're traveling to the machine world. And now he understands that Bane is Agent Smith. Yeah, and the reason why he does is he can because is while they fight, Bane blinds Neo... And then when he loses his sight in the real world, uh, Neo is able to see in Matrix code in the real world. A little different Matrix yeah. code. It's like this aura. It's like this orangish purple golden light. Yeah. And he can see now this is how this is his vision in the real world. And it's because he. I think that Neo can only see things that are uh, from the Matrix because he, can, he can't see like the ship, but he can see Bane because cause Smith's inside of him. So he can see Smith because it's he's part of the Matrix. And that's how he's able to, to defeat Bane and, and defeat this uh, duplicate of Smith. And then while this is happening, the, the epic battle at Zion is just absolutely incredible special effects work. I think it was the, the pinnacle of CGI at the time in 2003. Absolutely stunning. The scale of this battle is insane. And it's when I was a kid, I was just like, jaw dropped like my my mind was blown yeah when the sentinels breached the the hull basically of the city and all the all the soldiers are shooting their guns at that one hole trying to kill the sentinels but they eventually break through and then mm-hmm. just flying around everywhere and it's it's terrifying and it's insane and um naobi and morpheus rush to zion in the hammer to help back up the defenses to help save zion um but they're overwhelmed by this horde of sentinels and um what they set off the emp which it takes out a bunch of the Sentinels, like hundreds of thousands of them, but it also takes away the defenses of the of the city. And because more Sentinels are coming, they retreat further into the ground and um, barricade themselves. And they've lost the use of all their robotics and ships, and so they just have guns now, and they, they're going to die if, not, if something doesn't happen. And on their way to the Machine City, as they're still traveling, uh, the ship is being shot at by tons of missiles and everything, and they actually do this incredible scene where they they fly up over the clouds of the darkened sky, and for just a brief second, a couple of seconds, um, they see the sun for the first time. And, well, she does. Yeah, well, Trinity sees the sun, and Neil's just like, what's happening, man? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bird. <laughs> Pretty bird. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Neo and Trinity, they, they the ship falls down, and they crash land, and... Trinity gets a fatal wound, and, and Neo moves on to the machine world to help the machines basically destroy Smith. Yeah, he makes a deal with the, the machines because the machines fear Smith because Smith's virus, um, once it spreads throughout the entire Matrix, it will spread through the machine city, and he will destroy the machine city. So they want to um, protect themselves and save themselves, and the only way they can do that 
and stop this virus is if um, they team up with Neo. And so they make a deal where if Neo wins and defeats Smith, the machines will release um, all of the humans who are plugged into the Matrix. And so they plug Neo in and the battle fucking starts. Here we go. Let's go. And so the, the machines provide this unique connection for Neo Tenant to the Matrix. And inside we find out that Smith has taken over every program, basically. He's just got cities full of himself everywhere. This guy's so narcissistic. What <laughs> what a guy. And um, we have this epic battle, and it's like a Dragon Ball Z fight of these superheroes, or it's like Superman. It's like for, Man vs. Ste- yeah, Man of Steel. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's like Superman vs. Zod. And it's pretty badass. It's epic. They seem to be equals if not maybe maybe smith has a slight upper hand on him but it's an incredible fight and again when you're watching this in theaters for the first time it's blowing your mind yeah the special effects are amazing and i think they were smart how they used the rain in the scene to to show the the forces of their impacts when they they fight like every time they they collide it it, it sends this vortex through the rain droplets and you see this giant orb of energy and it is very much a blend of like Dragon Ball Z in the real world. It's fantastic. Yeah, and Smith ends up defeating Neo, and they're in this crater that they created in, in the in the street, and and uh, Smith is like recognized, like oh, I saw this, and I saw this. This is this. I've you seen were there. This. You were there, and I was standing right here. And then I said something, but then he says the line that the Oracle says. He says everything that has a beginning has an end but to the, him this is confusing because that's not what he said in his vision of what's going to happen yeah. and then he begins to fear neo because now neo when smith says this neo understands what he has to do he finally gets it and what he has to do is he has to he has to let smith take over his body and and assimilate and to him. him so that the machines can send the delete signal to smith and delete the program and delete Smith from from the Matrix, and that's what happens. Yeah, because what happened is Neo is plugged into the source of the Matrix, and so by allowing Smith to take over his body with the Smith virus, that connects Smith to the source, and the source is able to delete him, just like they delete all the programs. And so it is the way that uh, Neo essentially kills Smith. Yeah, Neo says that line. He's like, you were right along. You were right all along. It was inevitable. Yeah, so we understand that he has to sacrifice himself in order to defeat Smith. Again, another um, symbolism of Jesus Christ uh, sacrificing himself to save humanity. And then we have the the Jesus symbolism where um, when Neo is uh, released and in, in unplugged in the real world, he is in the same posture as Jesus. Yeah, and in that final act of, of assimilating with Smith, and then the final act of deleting, when the machines send the signal to yeah, Neo, he just energy, glows yeah. and screams in the exact same position of crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then the Matrix gets rebooted. So this is a new iteration of the Matrix, except this one's unique because this has never happened before, which has happened between Neo, the one, and with Agent Smith. And so it's a new version. And um, We every- finally see a blue sky and green grass. Yeah, everything's pristine. And we, the architect encounters the Oracle at that park, and they agree that... There will be peace, but the architect is dismissive about how long will this last, and and it probably isn't gonna, is probably going to end at some point. And we also get Sadie, who was assimilated by Smith too. She paints that sunset for Neil because that's the kind of program she's in. She's in control of sunsets. Mm-hmm. And then the Oracle and the architect agree that those humans who desire to be freed will be unplugged from the Matrix. It's a great ending to. The entire franchise for at, up to that point, and it talking about it now makes me even more excited about Matrix Four, and I I can't wait to see what they're gonna do. I'm so curious, and 
I hope hopefully we'll be able to see it in theaters next year. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think that Neo might be like living in like his own construct of some kind of programming. He's just like living. He's been living for like the last twenty years or so, and that's why he has like a long hair and beard, and he's like kind of been on his own, maybe. Yeah, because again, we don't know if Trinity actually died. We don't know if if uh, Neo actually died. Um, so I think a lot of questions are going to be answered, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. But all in all, this is one of the greatest action franchises ever. One of the greatest sci-fi franchises ever. Hopefully, hopefully four rocks so that they can make a fifth one. You know, I'm sure they're going to want to reboot and do two or three. Keanu is on fire right now. He's crushing it. He's got John Wick and Matrix right now rebooted. So it's going to be sick and I can't wait. And Revolutions, it's obviously, you know, kind of just trying to tie up the entire storyline all together. Reloaded is, is a good sequel, but the original Matrix to me will forever be a perfect movie and I adore it. Yeah, the Matrix is an unbelievable movie. This franchise is a lot of fun. It's very unique in terms of franchise films, and um, the ma- the ma- the first Matrix is an absolute masterpiece, without a doubt. Thank you so much for watching episode 47 of Raiders of the Lost podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the notification bell if you haven't already, so you know when we no- post new episodes as well as our daily reviews. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Keep leaving those five-star written reviews. We really love to read them it really it's the best part of my day reading those reviews except for that handful of one-star reviews all these haters (laughs) also follow us on patreon and become a patron to help support our show we really appreciate everyone who's already done that take care everyone